Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. And we're live. Welcome, Gareth Andrews. Great to have you here today, mate. Good. Uh, nice to be here, Ian. Excellent. So, Gareth, as for those who have seen the, the lead-up posts, is he's the founder of the Life Again Foundation. He's doing a lot of powerful work in the space of men's mental health. He's also got his own story in that space. And for the sport fans there, he's also got a... Uh, a rather long history in in AFL and VFL too, which I'm I'm keen to dig into to to hear the lessons through that. So, Gareth, probably the first place that I'd like to start is talking about what's been going on in for you in this recent time, given you know the shifts we've all had to make. I think the most important thing for uh, for me and for life again, uh, in particularly like. Um, is trying to, when you think of the words life again, that's what people are going to come out of, or men yeah. in particular, but women are going to come out of, into the new world post-COVID, which we don't know what it's going to look like, but we know that it's going to look pretty scary in lots of different ways. And so we've been just trying to build up what the life again story is going to mean to people going forward. So. We do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one we don't do as much one-on-one -on -one connecting as you do. Um, yep. we, we do uh, bigger picture branding stuff, talking to corporations who have been uh, communities and the like. So it's, it's how we're going to approach that that we're talking about and who we might partner as well as that. So it's meant that it's been an interesting time for us in that we're almost not doing anything other than keeping on writing our story, keeping on being visible, but working with new partners and including research. Uh, so it's been pretty busy getting ready for the next stage, which I think is what everybody's uh, got to yeah. do. They've got to, you've, got to, you've got to get ready for what's coming ahead, not knowing what it's going to be. A hundred percent. And I, uh, you, you said exactly what I was going to say, which is I think that's where everyone's been looking, particularly if you're in business. Uh, John Quincy's here with us. John, great to have you on live and thank you for contributing. If you have any questions on the run, John, I'd love you to include them in the comments there and we'll add them in. Um, and anyone else for that matter. Um, yeah, I think that's that's true for for people because we've been forced to slow down and it's allowed us to take to take stock of what's important and all the different elements of our life and our business. And yeah, it's funny how many people have said that they've been busier than ever, but also, yeah. but busy in a way, almost on their own terms, they're able to have more time for the important things in their life 
while keeping focused on what was important for their life and their business? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I, I re- this is a really interesting thing that the, the whole Zoom generation that suddenly developed is that one of the things I found, I had a, I had a meeting a couple of days ago in which um, I would, for that meeting, I, it would take me three hours, hour to get there, uh, hour meeting and hour to get back because it's out of company. We do a lot of, with a major um, organisation with, with membership, with members, 40,000 members. Um, so, there, so when you talk about, which that's working out how we're going to get to this, uh, this community, and yeah. that would take me three hours. Well, it yeah, took me right. one hour on Zoom. So yeah, you sort of um, it's and you you need to be in their company regularly, to, but you don't have to be there all the time. You know, when you have a Zoom meeting in 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 this, you know what the business, what the agenda is. You know what you're going to talk about. You eyeball each other, um, and I I, I I I think that's good. Um, not all the time though. Yeah, and I think that's what people have found, right? And, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with business owners because I think they've seen the same, like big business as well. It's like pe- I think the initially people thought that people would be less productive at home, but the opposite mm-hmm. proved to be true. And yeah. I, perhaps you could tell me your thoughts on this, but for me I think because our mental and emotional health is being nurtured and our spiritual health, right, our connection with community and self, because we've had this space. And so, yes, we still need that connection to get back in there, but all of, because we're nurturing the most important things and the work's kind of taking care of itself with almost a renewed vigour to get it done. Yeah, well, it's interesting. People, I reckon, have used it certainly sometimes not to be so active in terms of responding to uh, an email or a connection because they say, oh, bugger it, I'll get onto it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, a blog I did a couple of blogs ago, you know, I've been sort of, I churn out blogs regularly with Life Again, um, was really um, just getting to know my local hood better. Um, I lived in the area I live in and I see a whole pile of people every day going for coffee in the morning with my dogs or up and down the Main Street, Bay Street in Port Melbourne. Um, but, you know, there are lots of people I've never spoken to, don't yeah. even know their names. Well, yeah. I've actually gotten to know them. Because everyone's Amazing. rushing in the morning to yeah. get to where they've got to go, whereas that particularly that first month, no one was rushing anywhere. Um, <laughs> but you can just sort of sense that that sort of starting to come back, albeit the people aren't going. You can drive around the suburbs and there are cars out there and what have you. The city's interesting because it's just still, you know, no one there, literally. <laughs> You, you may not have experienced it. Well, you, you haven't experienced this, but the, I know the school drop-off has become pretty hectic because that's where everyone is or seems to be driving. Um, yeah. I know our kids have been happy to go on the bus, so we've we've had them on there, but we have also have dropped them at different times. And, well, oh, there's there's people everywhere, right, because uh, there's only – that's a busy at the best of times. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, no, I, yeah. I've, I've driven past – um, I was trying to go from A to B last week, and in one particular instance, it took me about a quarter of an hour longer in a half hour trip <laughs> because it was school time, school pickup yeah. time, like three o'clock, three thirty, or something like that. Yeah. So I realised that uh, things were moving again. Yeah, exactly. Um, now speaking of blogs, that's how we connected. I can't remember when, but at some point, 
you posted something that really resonated with me and I and I've been following your work and a, a particular blog that you emailed out about three or four weeks ago which was the catalyst for me to reach out to you to have this chat and that was around this idea of masks and yeah been wearing physical masks well some of us have been wearing physical masks and that's been the encouragement mm. but it's the mental and emotional masks that we wear out in public that are really the, the thing that you were talking about and now we've got this opportunity will we put all those masks back on that we put on when we go back to our day-to-day -day life or are we going to show up as a, a more authentic and real version of ourselves yeah and it's a really good question isn't it because i've talked about so, so it was ironic that I thought, what's a different sort of take on this whole thing with, because uh, a lot of people are writing stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and some of it's pretty repetitive about COVID, um, but it's their own thoughts. And, um, yeah. And, and that, that's, um, but to, to sort of cut through on it. So it was specifically, I've always talked about the masks that we men wear to, hide the real self yeah um are you sometimes i use mirrors that you know we, we we're surrounded by mirrors and all we do every day is look into the mirror uh, yeah. just seeing ourselves, and it's all about us and every now we open up the mirrors and uh perhaps somebody might see through gee that makes that bad finger look worse um, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh the the masks are the masks we wear to so that the true self isn't seen, so that our weaknesses, as we see them as weaknesses, uh, aren't seen because we men survive on our ego. We survive on um, being tough, you know, and that's how we're brought up. Men are yeah. taught big boys don't cry, all of those sorts of things. So we go around our lives in total denial, which was, you know, the essence of why I started life again was that in um, 20 years ago nearly, I hit the wall clinically when I was 55. Yep. I'm an old, yep. bro, old bloke now. But it was during that time that I hit the wall that I realised I'd been hitting the wall any, or I'd been on that journey for the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. And the, and the story of midlife crises and all of those were, 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 were suddenly making sense to me. And prior to that, I'd done a lot of reading because I wasn't feeling good about who I was or what I was doing. Yep. But I wasn't, uh, the reading wasn't quite getting what I needed. But so that's the big thing. And the essence of it is most guys go through it. And I think that's, and, and we don't have to, if necessary. Um, we, we don't have to go through it. That somehow or other, we've got to work our own way through it and know that it's natural. And know that we don't have to hide behind um, other, uh, uh, you know, these masks. Um, and, and and to be able to talk to other people, and it's easy to say, you know, connect and uh, open up to other people, but we still don't know what's, uh, why it's going to, um, why we should, because, uh, you know, it might embarrass us at work. And that's a big issue, of course. Yeah. Not, get, not getting the, 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 the job of the CEO or whatever it might be up the tree because you you be, believe you're a fraud. I mean, at some level, we all believe we're, 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 we're slightly fraudulent yeah. in that we're not, we're not honest. Um, yeah. Yet, 
you know, all the honesty always wins the day. When back in the time I read um, the American writer Thoreau wrote, and most people sort of know, a lot of people know the quote, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And, uh, and that's such a sad statement, but even yeah. further than that, um, the, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to their graves with their songs still in them. Yeah. And this idea of, you know, we don't ever release our song, our true spirit, who we really want to be, where we fit into this world, because we're so tightly um, enclosed in this mask which um, hides the real us because it's what do other people think of me? What does my wife think of me? What yeah. does my partner at work think of me? What do my footy mates think of me? It's all of that. Um, so it's a powerful, so for me, it was a pow powerful story in that are we going to make some changes out of COVID and what are we going to think about when we get out? We'll use the mask as an example. You're taking it off. Take off the old masks that you had on. Yeah, and I think the beauty of this time is that we've been forced into that space of self-reflection to actually think about our life and, and often that, well, not often, but it always leads us back to the same place, which is going within and asking yourself those tough questions and having to slow down and having more time, the more people that were able to have those honest conversations with themselves, then the better we will come out the other side of this with masks off, looking at the world in a different way, in a more positive way, and wanting to actually make changes. And I, and I love that quote too. And, and Les Brown, one of my early uh, online mentors, he, you know, like just looking at as much of his information as possible, he referenced that same quote. And he talked about how someone had mentioned it at their brother's funeral and saying, you know, like, I, I say to you, you know, he didn't die alone there in that hospital bed. He, he died there with hundreds of different ideas that went to the grave yeah. with him. And he, and he used that quote around, the, he had the music still in him because yeah. like, he had so many good ideas that he never acted on because of the fear, yeah. the judgment, the worry about what might happen instead of looking at, well, what's possible if I just go after one of those? Mm, mm. And what's on the other side uh, of that? We, we, we uh, badged the words, have you done your best work yet? I met a bloke about five years ago and he was a big, thumping big bloke, about six foot eight, and he came up to me and he said, and we'd, we'd, we'd met at a function, we agreed to have a cup of coffee together. And he came up to me in the coffee shop and said, uh, um, have you done your best work yet? Shaking me my hand. And, you know, it was, that was the first thing he said to me. I said, oh, yeah, I think I've you know, done this, I've done that, played footy have, successfully and uh, brought up a family. He said, no, have you done your best work yet? And I said, yeah, you know, um, did other good stuff, um, charitable stuff. He said, third time, it's a yes, no question. And I said, no. And the reality is all men, literally all men say no. Yeah. Whereas women, a lot of women say yes because they've, um, they've, reared, they've uh, had children, they've reared children, uh, their maternal instincts uh, kick in and they say, yes, I have. But, you know, men just invariably say no. And one of the reasons why I got into this not-for-profit space myself was that I really, even though I'd had success in various parts of, you know, success in various parts of my life, um, I judged myself that I hadn't given it my best shot. 
Um, now I'm believing I'm giving it my best shot, but you know, I still self-criticize myself because because um, you're human. That's our nature. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of things in in our nature that we've got to accept. It's in our nature. Um, I I talked to you know how I started life again was you know being depressed and coming out of depression because I actually um, worked my way through blah 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 blah. But the reality is, I'm of nature a person who goes up and down anyway. You know, you, you don't just as as you go into depression, you don't um, you don't you, you, your pure nature doesn't change. That you know, I still have black days and dark periods and all of that. But at least I've learnt to ride the bumps now. Yeah, and. Oh, two things come to mind. One is I remember sitting there at my dad's funeral thinking about listening to all the amazing things that he'd done. I'm sure mm. he probably would have had those same conversations with himself thinking he hadn't done his best work. But but yep. it really impacted me of listening to all these amazing things and these people talking about what he'd done that it really hit me of like, you know, I, I don't feel anywhere near having achieved that sort of impact. Mm. And that was a real wake-up call for me. Um yeah, and yeah. what you just said there, I know this is a big part of the Life Again Foundation, is it's not trying to say we take away those down periods in a man's life. They are inevitable. It's it's actually yeah, yeah. giving them tools and, and, like you mentioned, the resilience to be able to deal with it. So for you, what, what tools do you now use yourself to really continue to build that resilience and get through those down times? I think... I've never had that question asked me really specifically like that. But one of the things I always remember when I was clinically, when I was in depression and, you know, bedridden and all of that is you feel so far down the tube. I'm saying, am I going to get better? Because you can't even imagine that you're going to get better. You're yeah. Feeling so um, you're feeling so shit house. And that's the other word I need to mention uh, that uh, you think you're not going to recover. But if you put in place, do all the stuff that's required when you're in depression, and that includes, you know, uh, slow down, take tablets, talk to someone, get psychiatric treatment or psychology treatment, um, eat well, exercise, um, and, and just take your mind off all the peripheral stuff as much as you can, you know, you will in the main get better. And... So the, the, the thing I know is that when I have a downside now, I know I'll get better. And, yeah, that's big. And a lot, yeah, and a lot of the things when, you, when you're on a low side, you do, are no different to what you do when you're deep down. You know, you might you become your own analyst to a certain extent. Um, and you often, and most people sort of know what the problem is. Um, like take, for example, if you've got a problem with your um, your wife because you're going through a scenario where um, you're not telling her, being totally honest with her as to how you're feeling about stuff. Yep. Um, if you're not being honest, that, that claws at you without knowing it because the other side of it is be honest, tell her what you're thinking, and you'd be surprised how that just opens up a conversation. Because she actually would love to know what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, and, so go, on. go on. I was going to say, and, and your children too. 
Like yeah. often we 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 feel as men that we need to keep up this brave face and be the rock. Whereas, like you mentioned before, women tend to like they've gone through that, they've had children, but they also tend to be more open. And so they're actually speaking about their feelings and are more comfortable doing it. It's more acceptable. And yeah, you'd be surprised what that they allow you to feel because we we do sometimes feel like we can't. We also know that the bigger conversation is is from both sides of the fence that men have to feel that that's safe and they're not going to get a reaction that's negative. And I think that can be another challenge. And so this is why this education is so important. And I know I know some of the people in my network who are really passionate about sharing this because there's there's not no, there's no right or wrong, but there are like we talked about before simple steps and processes that you can have in place so that when you maybe feel yourself going down, then you actually can take those steps beforehand. That real preventative. Um, oh preventative yeah, that's process. right. Um, yeah, because you know the reality is. It's not just step up, wake up the next morning. You're going to be fine. Uh, yeah. So you've got to you've got to have that feeling and know this is coming on again or whatever. Um, so um, just just bear that in mind that it's just absolutely natural. Yeah. Um, and and interestingly enough, I'm I'm not a clinical physician or anything like that, a psychologist, but um, you know we. The whole word depression is a serious business. It's a it's a clinical condition, and what, the other thing that we talk about in life again is we're totally into prevention. So we are not. Um, so when you're talking about depression, um, and the government health funding to health programs have been more based on depression, serious anxiety, mental health. Um, uh, and ultimately suicide, whereas we don't talk about mental health because most blokes hate the word mental. You know, they see asylums or depression. They don't, you know, I'm weak. Uh, And that's why in the preventive space that we're in, it's a whole different um, story that you're in that space because of a very natural lifestyle issue. Yes. Um, might be anger, angst, um, you know, and, and different moods that we, we 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 are part of our nature. And as long as we, so we're not clinically depressed, yet everyone, you know, so many people say you're depressed, it's an easy takeaway word, take these pills and go away. And even yeah. medicos do that um, and, and think they've uh, absolved themselves of, having to analyze you or help you through the journey. Yeah, I remember you saying that yesterday when we talked. You were saying actually well, there's, there's an overdiagnosis, often self-diagnosis, which is not helpful, and, and it is. It's very much an easy, well, if I give myself a diagnosis, I know what the problem is, I can treat it with a magic pill, and everything's going to be fine. And and mm-hmm. whereas really it's, there's so much more to it than that. And, and mm-hmm. if you're starting to feel down, that's a time to actually address it, not – when you're in that state that you found yourself in, which is you actually can't see past, you can't see no, yourself. No, that's right. And then it's too late, right? Oh. So we really need to really push this preventative measure and allow men to feel that. Because well, I talk about it's more emotional health. 
we need to be okay with the feeling the emotions. As you said, we get told, you know, big boys don't cry or just don't cry full stop and don't be angry. All these real emotions that are just bursting out of us um, mm. might be a good lead in actually to talk about football because I know for me that that like really I guess it saved my life was having that outlet for my emotion, for my anger, for all of those ups and downs, it really was like a, a comforting space for me to do that. Perhaps not always in the healthiest way, as anyone who's played football with or against me would know, but at least it was somewhere where I was processing it that that it was um, yeah, it was getting out. So what was your experience yeah, in that yeah. place, um, Gareth? I, strangely enough, the first, I think I had my... I. I thought life when, by the time I got to about 30 and I'd finished my footy career, I just thought life was pretty simple. It was just fun. I loved playing footy, loved my friends, loved my family. And I actually had my first black dog experience when I was 30. So it was post my career. And, yeah. you know, and when you compare when I was a semi-professional playing to what, they, what they're doing today where they're in a bubble, um, you know, their social media, they've all got the um, social media. They're all, like, I, I read during the week that a, a player from one of the AFL clubs is um, giving up all his technology because he doesn't want to see any of it be, um, uh, because it just does his head in. Yeah, they right. Immediately come off, and the players come off the ground and the first thing they do is look at their phones and if they've played a rotten game, they start getting abused by, by people. You know, it's just so um, difficult. And that gets back a little bit to, you know, just respecting yourself and liking yourself. And so many people now, um, they're not happy unless they get likes on, on social media. And so if they don't get likes, they say, nobody likes me. Well, yeah. um, just like yourself in the first instance, because... If you're not a nice, if you're not a good person, um, you're not you're not going to succeed in where you're heading anyway. So just be kind to yourself. The uh, when I was uh, back in you know not the, the recent past, I was vice president of uh, Geelong for twelve years, and I was vice president for fifteen years. But twelve of those years with uh, was with a fellow called Frank Costa, um, who. You know, is quite a legend in AFL, well, in business and AFL. And Frank would say to me, and I, I, I talked to Frank about my, my my health issues because it was occurring during my early years in my vice presidency. Yeah. And um, and one of the things he said to me was, um, he just talked about being kind to myself, and and so I'd always I was always doing stuff that. Um, uh, you know, I just didn't give myself any that the stuff I was doing. I should pat myself on the back for it. I shouldn't pat myself on the back for stuff I wasn't doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't forget the stuff I wasn't doing because you actually can't do everything, um, and you can't take some of the breaks in life. They just occur naturally. So just just add up sometimes. Just put down a bit of paper what you've done. Even work, doing work at the school, uh, and you know. Um, on weekends and all of that, measure how much that comes to. It's it, you, you, you've done better than you think you have. Hundred um, percent. So yeah. I, 
to me, when I first was introduced to journaling, that had such a big impact for me for that same reason. Like I'm an external processor, so you know, speaking out loud helps me process lots of things, but actually externalizing it onto paper helps. And I, I got into that habit of writing down my wins for the day. And you get to the end of a week and your natural inclination, and it reminds me of golf, right? We focus on the bad shots. The end of a week, we get to the end and we're like, man, what a crap week. Because you look at all the things you didn't get done. And then when you have a journal, you can come back to and, you know, like I'm still, I'm not doing it as religiously, but it's still handy because then you can just read that and then you go, wow, I actually achieved some pretty amazing things this week. And so yeah, you yeah. actually celebrate that and you just look at life a completely different way. And I think so much of it, I saw a post yesterday, there's a lady talking about like this, the, the nature of our society with consumerism, that we're always searching for external happiness by the next thing we have to have or want to have, whereas really the journey is being happy with who we are, which has nothing to do with money or material, but it actually yeah. has to do with like who it is that we are being and the impact that it has with the, the most important people in our life. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, and interestingly, so it's easy to look at the, uh, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. So, in actual fact, when you're looking at somebody who you you know you think, oh, they've got more of this and more of that, and I wish I had this and I wish I had that. The actually the very interesting part about all of that is they are actually hurting in a different way or in their own way, but yeah. they actually don't give a stuff about you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So don't worry about what they're thinking about you. Yeah, because um, they've got so much else happening in their own lives. I haven't got yeah. time. So yeah. just go easy on yourself and be content with what you're doing. I know, isn't it? That, that's amazing. We think that, like, we create all this story around what people must be thinking or saying about us, but they're having that same conversation with themselves about themselves to give it too much of a process anyway. I wanted to touch on something from your, your footy career, and you said something to me yesterday which I think is uh, amazing and, and probably a reflection of that you've – you've had that ability to choose different ways of doing things. And so middle of your AFL, oh, sorry, VFL career at the time, the age of yeah. 23, and you take a season off? Yeah, um, I did. I played for um, six years. I started in 65 and uh, with the, you know, this Geelong senior team and played through till 1970. I came runner-up in their best and fairest in 1970. So you're in your prime. And, uh, I'm in my, yeah, and I just always wanted to take a year off. I just wanted to do what young blokes do, and that, which yeah. is travel around the world for a year. Backpack, bought an old Bedford van in London. Club thought I was going to come back uh, before the season. Um, I was never going to come back before the season. In fact, we went by ship, I made it myself, we went by ship, and it was five weeks before we even got to England. So, yeah, wow. Um, and we had a fantastic year, and it's a year I'll never regret. And I came back, and three years later, after I came back, being told I was never going to be back in the footy again, you know, you've given up the opportunity. I played in the premiership with, as it turned out, Richmond. Yeah, well, so, you know, it was just – and and, and, and yeah, I took the risk. I, I used that – one of the things I did – and, and this is an interesting thing too we didn't talk about yesterday, and I – I actually took the risk 
of doing what I really wanted to do. And even though I had people yeah. telling me, you can't do it, can't be done, blah, 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 I, um, I just really wanted to do it because I knew that something would be missing in my life that I'd regret. And, uh, and I try, I've always tried to live a life with no regrets. Now that, um, sometimes, you know, you can read, you can read into that, that you try to achieve, you try to do too much type of stuff and, you know, why don't you just relax and, but it's in my nature, it's my nature to be fairly, um, go for it and, um, achieve things that are, and a lot of it are just experiential, but I like the experience. Yeah, and I think that's a really important message. I, I know, like, we, we've created this fear culture almost where, like, particularly with young kids growing up, like, we can't do this, we can't do that, and, and they're being almost programmed to not take risks. So it really fills me, well, it filled me with a lot of joy to see it more recently, more of it happening, more young people out in the streets and doing whatever we used to do when we were little, kicking around, disappearing for a few hours, and I think the ability for us to take risks as humans as men in particular but do it in a way that it's you know controlled or not oh, control is not the right word but but it's not out of control but it's actually more measured then there's so much value in being able to do that because then it allows us to chase maybe some of those dreams that like going like going overseas in the middle of a career um, that we wouldn't have otherwise had. And think of the, the experiences you would have deprived yourself of if you hadn't done that, taken that risk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the upshot of all of that too is that what I, some of the experiences that I've had has been part of who I am and that I've used in other parts of my life and uh, even in this conversation and just using it as a story rather than a, something I've read in a book is still yeah. an important part of it because there are components of that whole thing that where I said, just look, just go out and do it. The old um, the old Nike phrase, just do it. Yeah. And and I think that's important, particularly for business owners. But actually, you know, what for, for people in general is to be able to have their own story and, and be able to, mm. to be able to share that. And yes, other people's lessons are good, but when we can apply I'm big on personal branding and being able to tell your own story. Like starting out, like a lot of people, you have that imposter syndrome that you talked about, a fraud, and, you, and you're using other people's quotes that you think are going to add more value. But actually what people want to hear from is is you and your story and, and what you've done. And I know like you only have to go to the Life Again website to know that a big part of the business and how, why you founded it was around your own journey. And that's, I think, yeah. for all of us. To be able to explore that and look at that and actually be okay with that through all the highs, through all the lows, all the embarrassments, because there's so much value in other people saying, "Oh, they're human as well. They've been through challenging times. They've been through difficult times." Mm -hmm. And and here's some really think key takeaways I can take from that that I can apply to myself. Right. So so even now at your age, who are you learning off now? Who are you get taking inspiration from? Who, who are you getting, you know, tips and, and tricks to continue to to do your best work still in the future? Yeah, I, um, I've got no individual person. I told that, interestingly enough, I told that Frank Costa story, um, which occurred 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I 
and so he became my mentor through that period. Um, and I always say, and I often tell the story, that I wish I'd had a mentor like Frank Costa uh, became earlier on in my days. Yeah. Um, and for younger people or, um, or children of older people, um, for, you know, listening today, you know, yeah. seek out a mentor. I always remember um, reading something on Kerry Packard back in the day. And, you know, he was a big, pompous, bold, you know, arrogant bastard. Um, <laughs> but he had a, an Asian mentor. And this was a guy who just obviously um, was just knew about life and knew about, you know, he brought a bit of Eastern spiritualism into that. Yeah, to nice. say that, you know, there's a there's a gentle side to what you, how you've got to be and uh, and uh, and be more measured in the way you do things and uh, when you've and so and 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 interestingly enough, another really well known person who I won't mention personally told him personally told me that when I was in a really bad spot, talk to me about just compartmentalizing your life, just. Uh, the worst thing that happens when we get into a bad space is that everything mushes together. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're, everything you do is bad. You know, oh, God, I've lost that, you know, lost that. I'm just losing things all the time now. I'm doing this. And, and, yeah. and, and just forget about the, the elephant in the room, which is the problem you've got. You've got to work out what that problem is. And don't let it, you know, just keep doing your job well and, you know, do this well. Just don't let it all become entangled. And it's easier said than done, I know. Mm. But knowing that it can be done is, is, is a good way to look at it. Yeah, and I think that's where having a mentor helps, right, to have that external person. I, I, I talk about um, Roger Federer a bit because he, he was the best and he decided he didn't need a coach. And for eight months he did that until he realised he needed a coach. Not not because yeah, of yeah. any other reason that he needed someone external, not emotionally attached to his life, that could just give him a different view on what was going on. And that's what a, a mentor yeah. does, right? It allows us to see the world through a different lens and maybe pick up some of those things that we wouldn't otherwise see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Sorry, were you going to add something else there? No, no, no. It's so the point being, in answer to your question, no, I don't have a mentor now. But, but funnily enough, saying that, I do have some really close mates who are literally mentors. Yeah. We almost mentor each other. Excellent. Because we all Excellent. know that it's not all about business or, you know, it's not that sort of relationship. Um and that you know it's more than that it's um it's you know how can we help each other just you know oh i know how you're feeling um have you tried this or whatever can i just do one thing sure i'll just play some music in the background while we wait um no no, no i'm here i haven't gone far all right i'll just uh thank you josh and joe that you're watching that's cool um same as i said before anyone has any questions or anything they'd like to add to the conversation please add them add them in the comments below um so gareth i'd like to have a little bit of a change of direction now it's reckon national reconciliation 
week in Australia and, and I was speaking to someone in this space and they were suggesting that maybe recent events in the US might have might have hampered the, that us even identifying that. And I know this is a, like an important space for Australia moving forward. I'd love you, yeah. for you to share one of the elements of Life Again Foundation that you're finding really impactful in that space. Yeah. So uh, when I got into Life Again, the first thing I, one of the things I realised to do to, uh, um, you've got to, to get, a, to really improve your life is to get away for a while. Yeah. And uh, to get into a different environment. And it was, and I realised that I, I thought the good place to go would be into Central Australia, um, work with the Aboriginals. And through that process, I met um, a fellow uh, who's the major elder in the whole of the Central, that, uh, Central Australia. He was the head of uh, Central Australian Congress, which is the overarching uh, Aboriginal body. Yeah. And he's become a very good friend. So what I've been doing over that six years is taking men to the outback. Um, there's even a group of schoolboys I take every year from Newington College in Sydney. Yeah, wow. Uh, and they go out there, year 11 boys, and we go out in the big bush bus. There's about 20 boys, and, uh, and, and we, they have a, we have a full week in which we're in. Uh, we go on country. We live on Abor Aboriginal lands, uh, the boys, and we have Aboriginals out there teaching the boys. They have a full day uh, on country doing, doing jobs. Uh, Amazing. You know, carrying pickaxes and doing all that sort of stuff, and they love that. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's all about immersion, just immersion in Aboriginal culture. And Newington love it so much that um, we, we, you know, we were booked to go in about um, two weeks' time because we all go, always go over that break, the beginning of the, uh, the second term school break. And, yeah. but, in the, but as well as that, I've taken men out there um, from you know business guys and I guess or midlifers and and even yeah, beyond yeah. that in troopies and we go out on um, Pilatus jets which are a lovely plane uh, and you can get a lot long way fast um, but you know you can land anywhere and we go into the western desert where it really is the broken communities and just see how they live and and I really believe um, in getting the only way to get a bit better understanding of Aboriginals, and they say it too, is to meet with them, to go on country and meet with them. And we're developing these programs literally as just as we speak because I've had two big conversations on that today. Yeah, and so great. we've again we've badged the words um, "no change without understanding." Until we get to understand blackfellas in their environment. Because don't try to compare them based on where you're sitting at the moment or where I'm sitting. Exactly. Um, uh, and there are Aboriginals all around us, even in, in, in major cities and also in our own states, communities, yeah. old communities, um, that we ac actually should get to know. I always, I'm quite fascinated um, by when every year down here in Victoria, they have, uh, you know, Reconciliation Day or... Um, which is all based on uh, recognising indigeneity and it's the, the walk to the G. They walk from the city to the MCG, you know, yeah. 15,000 fans walk and it's and with Aboriginals and the like. 
they get to the game and it's all talk, you know, it's all about the Aboriginals. They do the ceremonies before the game, all of that sort of stuff. But after the game, if you ask 99.9% of the people who walked, they, they haven't met one Aboriginal all day. Yeah, wow. So they, 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 have, a, a, they have this, they hear it and they, and they say, it's, you know, so important, so important, but they actually don't do anything about it. It doesn't make them go out and buy an Aboriginal book um, and doesn't go them to dig a little bit into the history of Aboriginals and why they're, you know, why they believe what they believe in terms of the invasion or whatever it might be yeah. and why they don't like the 26th of January as being, you know, Australia Day. So yeah. until you understand that or, or know Aboriginals and see them on country because we're heading that direction, but they're heading that direction. They are so different to us. Yeah, yeah. And yet at our essence, that's who we need to be to move forward in a more positive way because the, we need to have that connection to our land, to our home. Like I think mm. that's been a big thing by being forced into our homes, a love of home. And I talked about this the other day is that we, we can't travel overseas at the moment. And yes, there are amazing places to see overseas, but we need to fall in love with here. And that's going to be part of the healing process, the understanding. I, I mentioned to you when we chatted, and I also wrote about this this week is, is my, my um, experience going with Clontar Foundation to the top yep. end and the impact that had for me just to realise that what we see here in the city, like we can't get an understanding and it's why so many people don't have an understanding. And so Jared Neesham, who I met through that for the foundation, who is the founder of um, Clontarf, he said, he goes, I don't believe Australians are racist. He said, but when their experience has been the experience that they've had in a city, for example, when they don't know any different. So we need to continue to to push this understanding. But ultimately, that's going to take some personal responsibility of every person in this country to to look at that. Because I know for me, I, went, I came back and I started looking at a whole lot of articles and research. This is not people's opinion. This is things in the archives that are fact, which is a very, very different history to what we're taught in schools to what's talked about mm. in mainstream media. It's a very different story. And when we can start to understand that, not to then say, to then point fingers or anything, but to actually go, okay, well, if this is what's, what's happened, what's, what's the way forward? And I love that you're connecting people with that space. And I've already said next time that that's on and put me down because I think, uh, and I'll be dragging some men with me, I think, because I think that's such a, a yeah. powerful, powerful exercise to, to help for personal healing, but also for, for healing of this country. Oh, it's fantastic. The, 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 every bloke who goes out absolutely loves it. They, uh, what, you know, what's the biggest positive impact that they talk about? What, what, is it, what does it help them to see or feel? Well, I tell you, the, the interesting thing that uh, is a bit of an impact for me and why I keep doing it is because the Aboriginals, um, the first time I went out there, at the end of the day, the very first day I ever went out there with a group of blokes, and I was with this fellow, Johnny Little, uh, on his country, and uh, I was going through with the blokes, you know, what was the highlight of your day? And so, you know, they, it had been a big day, and they'd seen the desert for the first time and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And they all had their stories at um, whatever the highlight was. I'm getting a bit of shadowing there or something. Oh, um, I can't see it from my end, so keep going. No, no, no. 
And, and uh, so, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just giving good, good contrast. <laughs> and I'm asking what was the hell out of their day. So they go, they go through it. And then, so I sort of just summing it up and uh, Johnny Little said to me, why don't Gareth, you haven't asked me what my highlight of my day was. And I said, oh, no, sorry, John. Um, tell me what was the highlight of your day. And the highlight of his day was inviting and having these people on his country as his guests. Amazing. And just knowing that they'd had a fantastic day and they loved the experience and all of that sort of stuff. So that was, you know, that's a pretty um, meaningful thing, that the Aboriginals actually do want to see you um, to know that you really care. Yeah. But, you know, it's not, it's not just, it's not good enough to just throw millions of dollars at the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we continue to do. But hopefully, you know, we're, we're, we're going to really ramp up our, our, our work with Aboriginals. And people say, well, where does that fit up under, you know, life again? Well, actually, Aboriginal men are Australian men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it sort of fits, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty well. Um, <laughs> and, and it's also a connection with others, you know. If we're, it's not just connection with nature uh, and we're, we're really going to crank up that connection with nature, but it's connection with um, um, uh, other Australian people. They yeah. could be, actually, at the end of the day, they could be Sudanese, they could be anyone. Don't just think because... And for, but the Aboriginals are, as we know, they're Australia's first people. They are the essence of who lived on this country. Yeah. They've lived here for tens of thousands of years. And we've been here for 230 years. Yeah. I, what I love is, is we're going back to so many of those ancient ways because they work. And there's a reason why that people get these traditions and these stories going for so long because they feel better. And I think what you touched on there was something so powerful. You said, he just cared so much about having people appreciate his land and his country. And ultimately, if you think about that from a personal perspective, isn't that what all of us want to know that mm -hmm. there are other people that care because without self is important, but without other people in our life, our community to have that appreciation, well then it's, it's, there's nothing there. And so no, no. Such a, that's a massive, simply simple but powerful metaphor for, for a way forward. I know you talk about the three pillars for you is uh, connection, giving back, storytelling. Do you have a, uh, a good story you could tell us now that, that might um, give people hope or give people a, a lift to, for them to leave with at the end of this chat, Gareth? Um. Look, as a specific story, no, because I, I don't say that. I mean, my, my conversation as much as anything is, is the stories um, uh, along the way. I, I, uh, the story I just like telling people is the story that um, as much as anything, storytelling, the reason why we have storytelling anyway is that you're, you're not alone in whatever else you're feeling thousands, tens of thousands of millions of people have felt exactly the same way for different yeah. reasons forever. Yes. So don't, 
don't ever think of yourself as being lonely and trapped and stuck in, you know, and and I liked your journal. Uh, I, 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 one a blog I did about three blogs ago was my red journal. Um, and I use that as the same reason as you do, and just to go back and see what the bloke was like back when. And you'll yeah. just see that, you know, you, and, and you often write in your journal when things are down. Yeah. And, and I, I use things like positive affirmations. I, I meditate every day. Um, but sometimes all of those things aren't enough. Um, so you've got to say, well, what did I actually do when I look back? So it's just getting to know yourself better. Just, I think the best story is just don't live in the, in the big, wide, commercial, connected world. Take yourself out of it for a while. Yeah. And, and a blog I did years ago, it was all based around a bloke having plugs just hanging out of every part of his head. And I got a good, really good photo of somebody with heads and plugs. Yeah. And, you know, we've plugged into so many different things and millions of things going through our head every single day. And it was the, the, the article was all about just pull some of those plugs out. Just pull <laughs> some of them out. Yeah. Um, so it's a story about stories, but not without it being a specific story. Yeah, and, and to me that's a really powerful one because I think what we've talked about is getting out in nature and all those things that you talked about are very much about pulling out those plugs. Like so many of those plugs that we have in, in plugged into us or that we're plugged into, they, they're not serving us. We think they are, but when we take time to stop, to meditate, to sit in stillness, to go in nature, we realise what's most important. And the conversation I had with uh, someone this morning she was talking about, like I talked about, you know, getting those priorities right. And she was like, yeah, I'd never really, I help people with this, but I'd never really thought about doing that myself. And I'm like, well, yeah, like when I first started that, that personal development journey, I was the same. Okay, prioritize your life. And I had myself way down the list. Whereas really, mm-hmm. we need to put that at the top because we can't, we can't do anything meaningful the other, for the other people in our life at the level that we should do unless we are prioritizing our health. That doesn't yeah. mean we, we, at the expense of other people, we prioritise so we can serve other people and making sure that we do that. So I love that the, the Life Again Foundation and through your stories and that ability to connect is really having that impact so that men can actually start taking care of themselves in a way that actually works by being okay with the ups and the downs and all of that range of emotions that humans feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're spot on. <laughs> good. Well, it means that you've passed on that message well, right? <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, Gareth, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative of your time. I think that uh, will be powerful for many people. And, um, yeah, I, I acknowledge the work you're doing because you're doing some amazing work. I'm looking forward to now that you'll be able to get back out there and, and get back out in the community, but also utilising Zoom more as well by the sound of it. And, oh, um, no, no, you just killed him. And sorry, you know, my, my, my son will be back in Port Moresby, I guess. <laughs> I'll be able to use my normal room. Yeah, nice. But I like, love your studio and you're doing fantastic work, Ian. And um, really nice to catch up with you and uh, 
meet some of the people who you're making a difference for. So thank you very much. Appreciate it, appreciate it and you're welcome. Um, I, I, if you've got anything else you wanted to share, I'll add it in the notes and we can talk about that once we jump off. Um, but if people are going through any sort of struggles with their mental health and, and are looking at wanting to get on with the, the rest of their life so that their best years are still ahead of them, like uh, Gareth said, then, yeah, check out the Life Again Foundation. He's got some amazing blogs in there and some good information for people, but businesses Can too, I just right? say one thing? Just Go for it. One thing quickly. And yeah. you've used, we don't actually use the words mental health. Uh, we, we use positive health. Love it. Because I, it's, that, it's that we're talking about positive health. You're talking about positive health too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Mental well, health, yeah. and I find well-being is a bit twee. Um, the real, the power of positive health, you know, it's, it's like the old power of positive thinking that we were brought up on. Yeah. Um, positive health. Um, so get the negativity idea out of your thinking um, as much as you can. Um, yeah. Well I, said. I know, a, I know a psych who says on the scale of I'm feeling down and I'm feeling up and there's a, you know, the markers there and there's, there's the down. And he says, most people start off the day at about minus two. <laughs> right. so they, don't, they don't start the day off as even. Yeah, interesting. So, so you've got to talk positive just to get back to the starting line. Um, I'm going to use so that. So I'm just saying that's that's something that we, yeah. we really believe in. Yeah, I love it. Uh, thank you, Gareth. We'll leave it there. I'll, um, I'll speak Thanks, to you mate. again. Thanks, everyone who was on live. And, um, yeah, appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.